Force Radio. Bat Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? This is Paul Dini listening to Bat Force Radio. All right, everybody, Bat Force Radio back for a very special episode. Uh, let's go around the roundtable real quick so we got in the room. Uh, I'm Bat Force Tom, and uh, we got Robin D. Cross from Canada. Hey. We got uh, Robo Rich <laughs> from Detroit. Hello. Grandpa <laughs> Batman from D- Dallas, Texas. Howdy. We got the uh, Trunkler <laughs> calling in from uh, Chicago. Hello, blokes. And uh, our very, very special guest today, who we're very excited to talk to, uh, you might know her from Man of Steel, as well as Bat, or I was about to say Bat Force Radio. You will know her now after that. <laughs> <laughs> also from Batman v Superman, she plays uh, Carrie Ferris, aka Carol Ferris, aka Star Sapphire, the love interest to Hal Jordan from the Green Lantern universe. Uh, Mrs. Christina Wren, thank you hey, for joining hey. us. Yeah, yeah thank you for coming hey. on, Christina. Yeah, thank you. It's awesome. Yeah, this is awesome. Now. Oh. Um, I was telling the guys that um, I went on your website, which is awesome, by the way. You have an awesome website. It's like super easy. You yeah, got everything excellent. on there. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for checking it out. Yeah, your Twitter and your uh, Instagram, everything's like super seamless. All your like interviews, all your uh, your media stuff is on there. Yeah. And it sounded like, I mean, we'll get to it, but basically Hummus got you into like Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, very true. A crazy random fact, but Hummus got this little Lebanese girl into Man of Steel. That is very, very awesome. And we'll <laughs> we'll get to like the awesome story and why you know how convoluted it is. But let's just start like from the beginning. Um, basically, how you got your start. You know, what first wanted to get you into acting, um, that kind of thing. So when did it all start for you? Yeah, you know, it's funny. My memories from being a really, really small kid, like a toddler, from when I can remember watching TV or movies, was that I had this deep inner kind of ache to be on screen, to be in in those shows and like kids shows and, and old movies and things like that. And I just thought it was something that wasn't available to me, which is funny that even at that age, but there was nothing around me where I grew up that where we had any access to stuff like that. So I just kind of thought that was something that every kid wanted, but just wasn't a possibility. And then um, I saw a children's theater production of Godspell when I was in second grade. Wow. And I was like literally holding onto the sides of my chair because I wanted to just run up on stage and jump in, but I knew enough to know that I didn't know what was going on. Um, So I I held back, but my mom noticed that I was really kind of focused and interested in it and asked me if it was something I'd want to do. And I was so excited. And the next year she signed me up for this children's theater in Pittsburgh. And, uh, and I did that my whole life growing up, but I just, I really thought of it as just like a hobby, something fun, to do even through high school. And I mean, I was doing community theater, I was doing school plays, I was doing summer programs and things, but, um, but I was also a good student and came from 
an extended family that was like pretty practical and I went to a math and science high school and you know the the thought was just like you're a smart girl go do something mm. reasonable with your life and so I was trying to figure out what to study in college and and I just kept swapping my majors I was like well maybe I'll minor in theater but I'll you know I'm major in nursing or major in Spanish or English or it just kind of kept changing I was like well maybe I'll double major but again the other major kept changing and um and my mom came into my bedroom one night when I was applying for schools and said she wanted to talk to me and she said you know it's it's your decision this is your life um and I thought for sure she was going to say but it's just you know it's time to be practical and and grow up and and instead she said um but you and your dad your dad and I think that you have a gift and you know we think that you should um not bury your talents and we would support you studying theater wow. and going into this. And so, yeah, it was pretty wild. And, um, and I think I may have even been a jerk and like fodder in the moment about how impractical it was or something. Really? Um, but then, you know, I thought about it and I went, yeah, that's really the only thing I, I want to do. And, and so I switched gears and started researching schools that had good drama programs and, um, and kind of haven't looked back, I guess. Yeah, you're wow, really awesome. lucky to have that experience of like supportive family because that's usually when people tell their parents, "I want to be an actress," they're like, <laughs> you know, like, uh, it's it's such a difficult industry to get into that they like you're right, the people usually get talked out of it at an yeah. early age. Mm -hmm. But so what what um what did what inspired you aside from seeing the the plays? Like, did you have like actresses or actors that you kind of saw and you're like, "I want to be her," "I want to be him," you know? Not really till later in life because again, I never thought of it as an option for someone like me. Like it just didn't even seem like a practical choice. It wasn't like, well, if I did these things or if like even New York City felt so far from Pittsburgh at the time, I just kind of grew up in the smaller little feeling world. Um, so it really wasn't until I like got further along, maybe even later in college where I started to go, oh, I would really like to be like, and then I started recognizing different people. And I think at the time it would have been like Anne Hathaway nice. um, and like Natalie Portman and, and women like that. But quite frankly, they all started way younger than me. So they're also like, I've been trying lately to go, who has a path a little more similar to mine? I didn't like get famous as a kid, but mm. what women figured it out later in life. And, and often it's comedians. Um, which is interesting, but I think it's often women who are also writing and making their own opportunities happen, whether it was like through SNL or through their own original content, even like, you know, I mean, she's younger, but like Alina Dunham or mm -hmm. people like that. So I think that's who today I really look to, um, are the women who are, who are, you know, making their own paths. Even Amy Simons, like she went to school with my husband and now we'll just flip through magazines and be like, oh, there's... Amy Simons making another show, you know. Um, so I think that people who can carve out their own paths for themselves in this industry that is so competitive is really inspiring. It's number one, awesome that you had the support at a young age to kind of, you know, tell you that you can do it. You look up to the right people. It sounds like people who are kind of doing that for themselves. Like, so, all right, so you start acting young. You start getting into theater as you're a kid, and then you go to school for it. Did you go to like a theater school or anything like that? I did. I went to NYU and I actually started as a musical theater major. And then um, I did that for a couple of years. And then NYU's program 
has you know some different options, which is cool. And then so I I jumped from there to musical theater or to uh, experimental theater, and then from there I did film and television. And I actually had a minor in Pan African studies, so I spent my final semester in South Africa. Wow, which is pretty cool. Yeah, um, so that was sort of my my school background, and then and then still like it really took me a while to get the idea that like I could do this professionally to sink in, and so. Um, so I was still, you know, kind of doing, making, I was always making my own work and writing, but I made a documentary in South Africa and I was doing spoken word poetry and music and local theater and things. But, um, but I really had to start by like being an extra by doing background work on films to figure out like, how does a set really work? How do I figure out how to pitch myself? And the reel that I had at the time was like a couple of, scenes that I had done in school, you know, from movies, from existing, like from, you know, playing Anne Hathaway or something like that. So um, I had to like get into some short films and, and just be gritty and build a reel for myself um, to have something to even show. Because like you're saying in this industry, especially now, everyone can make their own content. I mean, even with your iPhone, you can make videos and, and showcase yourself. So if you don't have something to really showcase what you're able to do, there's no way to compete because pretty much everyone else does. You know, you yeah. need to have, and you need to have like pretty decent stuff. If people go, oh, you, your reel is, you know, a couple of years old, they'll probably go, well, then what's what's up? Why haven't you done anything since yeah. then? And you got to keep it current. So, I think as far as the stuff you uh, create yourself, have you always been? Uh, been into writing things or was this something that you had started uh, as an avenue of keeping yourself out there? That's a great question. I always was interested in writing and I was always writing but um, kind of similarly I just never thought it was something that like I was worthy of doing. So I had all these journals of like poetry literally like locked in my desk in middle school that I was afraid someone would find. <laughs> Um, and I've always been a big journaler and I wrote a bunch of short stories in high school that got like published in a little thing locally. And so I was always writing and, um, and I took some playwriting classes in college and I did a lot of devised theater and that helped me definitely gain confidence in my ability to contribute to creating original content. Um, and the pressure then isn't on you as an individual to write something, but you are contributing along with your ensemble to creating an original show. So I did a lot of writing within that, but I didn't have to write the whole piece by myself. So I think I had some baby steps. And then uh, I wrote a one-woman show when I was in South Africa as a student that I, I never put up or anything, but it was the first kind of full length thing I ever wrote by myself. And then, um, then I actually wrote my first indie feature to be a short film, which felt a lot easier to bite off. And then I, it just kind of kept growing. And so I thought, well, maybe it's like three short films and then it kept growing and I had about 13 episodes. I thought it was going to be a web series and I gave it to my um, partner and he said, after you read it, you know, I don't think this is a web series. I think this is a film. Why don't you weave it all together? So it, it sort of happened organically. I don't know that I, I had the confidence to go out and say, oh, I can write a feature film at the time. But because it was in little bites, I was able to kind of weave it together. And after you do something, you go, oh, that wasn't so hard. I guess I can write a movie. <laughs> you <That's> know? <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, that's yeah that's insane it what did you did you start out because you went to school in new york did you start out in new york or did you start out in la when you were doing all that i started out in new york i i was um in new york we made saudage in new york definitely a kind of downtown lower east side east village type film um and then i moved to la pretty recently actually i'm still pretty fresh on the west coast really yeah. So you got you kind of cut your chops on the East Coast with the acting stuff. I mean, there's a huge scene there too, though. It seems like everyone used to be like on Seinfeld, but then then Law and Order is like a lot of people get on that too. Like, it's almost like a rite of passage. It seems like it really is. Yeah, it really is. I think one of the first sets I was ever on was Law and Order. I think it was Criminal Intent. Yeah. The one. Yeah. Stable. Yeah. So so everyone has to play a few corpses and criminals before exactly. uh, they can get anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you got to prove to be like you're a good dead person or like the victim of like some some serial killer or something like that before you can actually make your way up. Yeah, all of it. All of it. So how Is long have you Just because a group of agents have a have an in with those types of shows or or why is that? Well, I think it's because they are such kind of serialized shows, but that need new characters every week. So they just constantly need, um, whether it's like a bunch of background characters or these, you know, day player roles who are like, this week's the, you know, sorority sister who's actually a murderer, or this week it's the doctor who's poisoning people or whatever, you know, but like there's always that arc in it, but it's a different kind of world every episode so i think there's just a lot of roles for actors to play as opposed to like something like a girls where it shoots in new york but there's just a couple of parts that aren't the leads per season it's not like every episode has a whole new cast um so i think that's probably why everyone in new york cycles through those shows at some point yeah um but i want to do that for actors to get that opportunity and and get to cut their teeth and get some opportunities on TV as well as good, you know? That's so awesome. It's, yeah. it's funny because we have, we got a guy in our group, uh, Scott from Chicago. We actually call him the trunkler. Um, <laughs> so like if, if we were to like do a show of our own, he would probably be like, we, you know, we'd have to follow all these clues until we figured out that he was actually the one like offing people. <laughs> and the reason we call him the trunkler is because um, Scott has a wife and two two very young kids, and so whenever he, you know, we're big into comics and collectibles. So anytime he buys like something, he hides it in his trunk because he can't bring it in because his wife will flip out. And he's like, and then the stuff he does bring in, he's like, oh no, it's it's for, it's for my kid, nah, it's for my son when he grows up. Right, exactly. Yeah. exactly. So, oh, I, I want it in a raffle. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, big too. <clears throat> raffle, um, yeah. contest, or one of my fellow friends mailed it to me on the. Congratulations on the birth of your son. Here's a here's a statue. Oh, yeah. thanks, guys. Yeah, a four hundred dollars statue just for nothing. We have a we have a whole episode. I I'm kind of thinking about maybe like writing maybe a show about about just the guy, just him basically, because it's gotten to the point where he had to sneak in a toy and hide it under his his daughter's crib. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It could be a one-man play. It can be. It's like, that could definitely be a show. Yeah. You could definitely write that. Like DiCaprio's yeah. I, I wonder if if we could get the show off the ground, I wonder if there's anyone that could maybe get like Superman or Batman in it for us. <laughs> I wonder who that could be. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a really quick movie, though. The trunk would be out in seconds. Under his daughter's Done. 
Yeah. <laughs> but so, okay. So now that you've, well, you, so how long have you been in LA now? Like as far as like, uh, kind of just, you know, stably in LA, not traveling back and forth. Yeah. Like almost two years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So getting, getting settled in. Um, so you've been to in and out then. Mm-hmm. I have been to in and out. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the, That's uh, him slapping his belly. <laughs> I, episode I listened to you guys. It might have been last week. You were referencing just eating in and out, and it maybe made you sick. Did I make that up? Oh, it was probably oh. no. I, well, so I had uh, so I live I lived with Rath out of L.A. too, and so I just had two of the guys come over. We dude, it's so funny because we made this whole spectacle of the of the Donna Justice premiere. I had one of the oh. guys who lives in England and the other in Scott who lives in Chicago, they came out to stay with me for a week just to see the movie. At yes. the yeah. I mean, it, it was a whole thing. And, um, the two of them, I'm not kidding you. The first thing they ate off the plane, both of them was in and out. And after that, <laughs> they wanted to eat it every day, every yeah. day that they were here with us. I get that. I definitely get that. So yeah. good. <laughs> and somehow Shane went home lighter than yeah. he, he arrived. <laughs> uh, I don't know how the in-and-out diet results in weight loss. Our buddy right. from our buddy from England actually lost weight, which is insane because all they did while they were here was eat. I mean, it's like we ate and drank, so and went to the theater five times. <laughs> yeah, we saw we saw the movie. So yeah, if you haven't if you haven't guessed by now, we're big fans of it. We saw it about five times. Yes, um, I love to hear that. Yeah, That's I know. Awesome. It's, it's, uh, with this group, all you'll hear is just, we, we loved, you know, uh, we loved the whole thing. So, and we loved Man of Steel too. I think that's the, one of the main things is that we love Man of Steel. And so obviously it's, it's a little bit of a continuation of it and the tone is similar and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, so now that you're in LA versus New York, do you find like, what, was it easier to get gigs in New York? Is it easier to get gigs in LA? Like what's the landscape for like acting look like from your eyes? Well, you know, to be honest, it's not easy in either place. It's a competitive field no matter what. I think that, um, you know, a lot is happening in New York, and it's a really cool place. I love that city so much. Um, But definitely it's – I didn't fully realize this either until I lived out here for a little while. It's certainly still a pretty small pond. So I think also there's just a lot to be learned about the industry in LA that is hard to grasp from afar. So I think it's easier to feel um, maybe, you know, confident and and that you kind of, you know a lot about what you're doing. You get this industry, you're a part of it, whatever. When I moved out to LA, I went, oh my gosh, this is so much bigger than I understood before. Mm. I have so much to learn. And, And I feel like in LA, it's a, I mean, it's a, it depends on your preference. Like in New York, you know, there's so many industries, so many types of people. The majority of my friends out there were not involved in this industry. Um, and so we were really some of the creatives in our community who were making opportunities happen. And that was really exciting. Um, but I really felt like we were making work in a vacuum and didn't know how to go from just being artists to also being a part of this business. And I feel like, so I feel like New York really nurtures artists, but I think LA really masters the business. And even though there are things being made around the country and, and even outside of, um, really most of the business starts from LA and then the production might move elsewhere or elements of the production might move elsewhere. But I think the heart of, our business really still always starts 
in Los Angeles. And because it is um, such a huge part of the city, I mean, everywhere you go, you're, you're overhearing people talk about their work and what they do. And I feel, I feel like I just learned literally from sitting in Starbucks and listening um, to other people's <laughs> conversations, you know, more than I would in like a year in New York. And maybe that's sacrilegious. Some people probably want to throw rocks at me to hear me say that, but I, that was my experience. Um, so I just feel like I've, I've learned so mm-hmm. much more about how the business works, how to understand audiences, how to, um, and you got to know, you got to know like why a show is selling. I think, from afar, sometimes it's hard to go, like, why did this show sell over that show? Or why did that actor get picked over this one? And I feel like I've much more better understood those things out here. Um, and I think there's also a level of spit polish that L.A. has and that you kind of have to have in your work out here um, that was really important to learn as well. It's yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because like I was uh, studying for an exam, I was studying for a licensing exam I got to take right for work, and yeah. uh, I was at a coffee shop, and I, just like you, like I love sometimes eavesdropping and hearing like these conversations because it's so interesting, and I'm not kidding you, like I was I was minding my business, but then out of the cor- at, out of the side of like my my peripheral hearing, I hear this girl and she goes, and I swear to God, he was the biggest fucking dick. I mean, the AD could hang himself. I hate him. He's such <laughs> a, like. And she's just talking about like being on this. I don't know what she was working on, but but the AD was a dick. And then there's this PA who like won't stop asking for her number and all this stuff. And <laughs> it's just like these stories that you hear. Of, <laughs> and she's just going on and on about. It. And they just hired this other girl. Who I mean, she didn't even audition. Like I, she must know someone because they just brought her in. And she's just, oh, she's so. She's so tired. Oh my god! Oh no! Damn, you are really selling this, dude. It's but it's funny because it's like she's actually. I mean, Christina, you're right. Like I that that's one of maybe a hundred conversations that I will like hear in passing. Sometimes, like uh, it's funny because it's like it's its own little world. You know, it's 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 such a part of the the city and such a part of like um, you know the area that you're in. It's just part of the culture, you know. You the the amount of things that I fall ass back into because I just live in L.A. is it's amazing. Like uh, yeah, like, well, I went to the Academy Theater screening of Batman Superman. Just oh nice. Yeah, just because like you know somebody knows somebody that lives in Los Angeles. You know, it works. It works at people's benefit sometimes. So we get the we, cool we stuff. don't we don't have a culture like that at all. At least in my part of Canada, any. <laughs> Any conversation you're going to overhear, any conversation you overhear, it will be at Tim Hortons and it will be people talking about another time at Tim Hortons. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and and it's all very friendly. How about that poutine, eh? (laughs) (laughs) All right, so tell us. Okay, so so you're in New York. um, And you said the first kind of big thing you did was you, you did a documentary in South Africa? Yeah, yeah. So I produced a documentary about a homeless street soccer league in South Africa. So I spent um, two years going back and forth to Cape Town, and then we were following their Homeless World Cup team for two years. That So they competed in uh, in Melbourne, Australia, and in Milan, Italy. So we, we were kind of all over the place during that time. Holy so, crap. Yeah, it was really exciting. It was a really wonderful season, and I just I learned so much, and and grew so much. Um, yeah, it was it was one of the more powerful experiences I've ever had. Um, but then, yeah, then I got back. Was like, oh, I was a producer for two years. Let me 
figure out this acting thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to see the other side of it, I think. Right. Yep. yep, for sure. For sure. And that's really important and, and honestly really empowering for me as an actor to understand everything else that's going on on set. I think a lot like actors, we have to be sensitive beings because our job is to respond to whatever energy is sent towards us, right? We have to be present in the moment and respond to it. But then you have to, you have to on some level drop it when the scene's done. Otherwise you're going to be a mess of a human being. But I think sometimes the, the trickle effect when you're on set is if an actor's kind of their heart's wide open and then someone says cut and starts rearranging things, they just immediately go to like, Oh my gosh, I suck. I ruined everything. And it's really helpful to be able to go, oh, they didn't pull focus on that one or they didn't like where the lights were or the, that girl's mic was weird or, you know, and just to be able to tell. Because so much of what goes on on a set has zero to do with actors. Um, but it's easy to forget that when you're in the moment doing what you're supposed to be doing. It, it helps when you kind of see the other side of the coin, the creative process and like, you know, what happens behind the camera and what it takes to kind of put things together it really informs, I think, a better actor or an actress to kind of uh, know, you know, exactly how you fit into the process as a whole. I mean, I think, like, some of the, I mean, some, like, you, you mentioned, like, Lena Dunham and, like, uh, Amy Schumer and, like, Louis, like, people like Louis C.K., all these people, yeah. like, they're they're doing everything themselves. Yep. And I think it just, that's what kind of, like, oh, God, I was, I don't know if you watch Louis, but mm -hmm. um, I was watching, I, I started binge watching Louis, I think, I forgot what season last night, um, but it's just, like, you you can see you're you're watching it and you it's just so him it's so much of him and it's the most depressing dark thing you've ever seen but you can't like stop watching it <laughs> like there's a the episode that I was watching the other day was and it's like how does this guy how do these people how does this one person come up with this stuff he's babysitting like a, his kid's classmate and he's really weird and strange and the ki and he's like he's he's trying to figure out what to do to the kid so he puts him in a tub and the kid diarrhea is in the tub. Oh no. He comes in and he sees this kid in like poo water. And it's just like you sit back and you think of like the mind of this guy, the mind of Louis C.K. And I'm like, he wrote this, he's directing this, he's editing this. Like this is all him, like his mind. Yeah, and yeah. Like, so it's it's cool. It's cool that like um, you know, it's it's cool that you have that kind of same setup where I think like if you go on your website, almost everything that's on there, like linked from your like YouTube pages and all this, it's all that's all you. Like it's not like other people's stuff. It's like your stuff that you've created, and you've made. So and that's the thing. Like holy shit, you're so like. When do you have time to not work? Because you're always working. It seems like. <laughs> uh, I do work. No. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, it's so joyful though. Like there, I mean, sure, there are times where. It's a lot, but it's my passion too, you know, and I'm lucky enough that my partner, my husband, and I make work together. So while it's a business that you work crazy hours, and I think a lot of couples, that means like they don't get to see each other and all of that for us, you know, if we're up late on set, we're usually there together. And um, if we're up writing late at night, we're usually writing together. If we're up early in the morning, you know, we're so often getting to do it together. So that really helps having a, a partner in crime as well. Um, so a lot of that, like you're saying, I, I had a hand in, but I certainly wasn't on my own either. I have, I have some good support around me, which is huge. How did, did the uh, two of you meet uh, through work? Did you work together that. a lot? Is that how you met? 
Yeah, we met on a film shoot. Um, it was this, this. Art oh, that's so cliche. Dance. <laughs> you know, it's so embarrassing. You know, we met on a film shoot. Oh, that's us. <laughs> No, but that's good though because you you guys uh, share a similar passion. So I mean, you, you can connect and have a lot of common in that. We do, and I'm really thankful we don't do the same thing. I think um, it would be hard, you know, to both be actors or um, you know be like competing in that way. I feel like what we do, we very much understand the demands on the other, but also aren't in competition with each other. So Sweetie, I think he can't compete right with you. So, I mean, yeah, and I, he, he wasn't competing for the role of Carrie Ferris. He, he, he wasn't. Can't with you. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been a different take. I would have still seen it. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Six times. Yeah. I would have seen it. Yeah. I trust Snyder. So how did, so how exactly did you guys like meet? So his version of the story is that, <laughs> He was meeting with my friend who she's a choreographer and she does a lot of dance on film pieces. And um, she and I were studying in South Africa together. And I guess she showed him our photos and he liked, he saw photos of me and thought, Swipe you know, right. Oh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, the first memory I have is that um, she was my roommate at the time, so I was getting up that morning to, you know, get ready for the shoot, and everyone's filing into our apartment, and, you know, we're getting everything set up, and this guy comes up to me, and he's like, hey, you were in South Africa with Meryl, and I was like, yeah, I was, you know, and he's like, oh, you you live here, you know, whatever, He and he knew all this stuff about me, Whoa. and um, and then he's like, I'm directing the thing today, I'm Demetrius, you know, I saw your pictures. <laughs> and stuff and uh and so i was like oh awesome but then we had the best conversations the rest of the day i had like better conversations with him than with you know people i had known for a much longer period of time and um and i remember every time i bumped into him after that whether it was on the street i remember he was carrying his laundry at one point and we were on like you know sixth ave and eighth street and um just kept kind of randomly connecting. And then he knew I had studied in South Africa, obviously. And so a few years later, I bumped into him at a fundraiser event and he came up, he said, Hey, I'm going back to South Africa to make this documentary. And I'm looking for a producer who's familiar with, you know, the country and the culture. And I said, yay, pick me, pick me. Um, and so his, his exec was coming to town that week to, interview for that position and and I got it and then after that you, you know we worked together on that film and and I guess after living in Africa with someone for a few months you're probably either going to love them or hate them and thankfully we loved each other so uh so yeah so we started dating not too long after that was it part of his master plan to invite you to Africa it to have you been, to kidnap <laughs> me in Africa and yeah hold me hostage but to have you fall in love with him he's like I'm gonna invite this group like what a pickup line too by the way hi I'm, I'm directing you today and and usually if you meet someone and they already know things about you it doesn't go that well like you know he he could have <laughs> wanted you to put lotion on your skin right like something very odd you know the thing about him that i picked up on so quickly is that he's just he's incredibly sincere and i think that that a lot of people if they came up and said something like that it would be with some sort of ulterior motive or something, but he was just very genuine, like, oh, you're Christina, I know who you are, hey, you know? Um, and 
if you ever meet him, you'll understand what I'm talking about. He'll just he'll just meet you and greet you, and uh, he's just a lovely, spirited person. So as, yeah. you know, yeah. Once you figure that out, you're like, oh, okay, cool. Like you're a you're a safe human to hang out yeah. with. <laughs> Usually, people are kind of like overly like they're they're the opposite. Either they're overly intrusive or they're like really guarded and they know who you are, but they won't say anything because. You know, like you said, they have a ulterior motive or something, but that's awesome. Um, yeah, because all the work that you have on there is almost like you guys are literally like literally partners and in, in working together and stuff, it seems like. And so yeah. it's good. It's cool that you guys have that dynamic. So when did the uh, hummus commercial come into play? <laughs> so the hummus commercial came while we were making Saudage, which was our that indie feature that came from my short film to episodes to whatever. So we were filming that and... Um, the guy we cast opposite me, he's an actor named Adam David Thompson, a uh, really wonderful guy. He was working at a commercial casting office in New York at the time, and they couldn't find a girl for this hummus commercial. And so the casting director went to him and said, do you know anyone who, you know, she kind of described it. And he said, yeah, actually, I think my friend Christina could do it. So he, you know, sent me the info and said, can you, you know, come over here tomorrow and take this audition? And I almost missed it. I, I had something else going on that day, and I was like rushing downtown to try to get there. And they were actually packing up the camera when I walked in and graciously invited me to, you know, tape and set everything back up for me. And um, and I, you know, got a call back and then booked the part. And uh, and then I didn't really think a ton of it because it didn't play in New York. And I got a, an email a few weeks later from a casting director or casting associate at Warner Brothers that I really thought had to be some sort of a jerk, but like friend making fun of me. But it was just a, an email that said a, a Hollywood director has seen your hummus commercial and would like you to audition for an untitled Warner Brothers project. Please send us a tape of yourself doing the attached sides. What? So, you know, in the off chance it was real, I did. Um, yeah, that but sounds it, like a setup. Doesn't it sound fake? Yeah, yeah it sounds like a total setup. This has to be – and I was really going through my head like, what jerk friend, you know, thinks this is hilarious? Who's pranking me? God damn it, Demetrius. I know. And he, I really was, what is going on? But he was the one who very much, you know, he's like, in, you have to tape – like, you know you have to t do this. You yeah. have to take it seriously. And bless him. I mean, he's the one who taped my audition. And because I didn't know what it was for – I mean, I did so many different kinds of takes, and we ended up sending like four or five in. Yeah. What? What? So, what did you put on tape? Like, what was instructed to, to say or do? So the first one was for this quirky um, office assistant role, who I'm guessing oh, was shit. Jenny in the Daily Planet. Wow. So they they probably had you do like a couple different uh, characters. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, but it was so, but it was like a different character name, and and it was just a couple of random lines that actually weren't even in yeah. the movie. It was it was funny stuff. Yeah. Um. But so I sent in like a, a, and it was kind of like one of the lines could be kind of flirty, but I didn't know how serious of a film it was. So I I did one that was like really flirty, one that was straight, one where she was kind of sassy, one where it was tough, and I think they must have looked at the tough one, and they wrote back and said, "Hey, would you audition for this military officer oh, instead?" Man. But again, it was written for like a, a late 30s male and it was a different character name and the lines were um, very generic. And so 
I was trying to figure out is this a is this a sci-fi movie? Is this an is this like aliens or is it political or That's so crazy. You know, I couldn't really quite figure <laughs> out what it was. So I, I again I just sent in a bunch of different versions depending on what kind of movie it may have been and got a call back saying, you know, from the casting director, Christina, they they love you. They're you know the execs are reviewing your tapes, but we want you. Here are the dates. You're available, and she's kind of plowing through all this information. So on the one hand, I'm excited, but I, I just sort of had to pause her and go, uh, "That that sounds great, but am I allowed to know you know what this project is?" Um, so I'm thinking like, "Great, it's going to be you know some crazy porn or something." <laughs> <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. Right, exactly. We'd watch that six times too. <laughs> <laughs> At least the first ten minutes. Yeah. Thank God it wasn't like Barbershop Two or something. Right, right. And I really, I had no idea. So when she said it's the new Superman, I oh, she said it. Freak out! Yeah, she was like, "You can't tell anybody, but it's the new Superman." Holy and I just shit. about lost it because I was such a huge Superman fan growing up. So it was like all my childhood dreams were coming true in that moment, you know. So that's just like a, the casting director's like, "Yeah, it's for the new Superman, but can't say anything." Did you actually keep that promise, or did you tell? Like, who'd you tell? Well, I wouldn't have told anyone. I actually was I pretty tight lipped about it, but my dad and um Demetrius was just recently my fiance at the time. They were in the room with me when I got the call. Oh yeah. So they were both and I mean Demetrius had taped all the auditions for me, so he'd been waiting. So they were on the edges of their seats just staring at me because they could tell, you know, what the conversation was in general. So I got off the phone, they're like, what, what, what? And I for a moment thought I can't tell them and then I thought <laughs> I think the biggest dick on the planet. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, and I know they're both really trustworthy. So I told them, um, and then my my mom knew. You know, we told her. How did, but, how did they react when you told them? Oh my gosh, they were so excited, like just crazy excited and pumped, and like the most supportive you can imagine. You know, um, I mean, literally, you saw like my role is pretty small, but my dad bought forty tickets to the Batman v Superman. Oh my god. <laughs> That's so cool. Your role is your your I mean, as far as your uh presence in the film, maybe it's small, but the the significance of your character isn't. It's actually huge. I mean it, mm-hmm. it's like right. it, it basically nods to something bigger as like, at least for Man of Steel. That was like the huge thing is that you were one of the first like Easter eggs that right. said that this is a bigger this is a bigger universe than what we're seeing right now. And you're seeing like a living, breathing, speaking character to something that's much, I mean, fucking much bigger. Green Lantern, you know, my God. So that, I mean, yeah, as, as limited as you might've been in that film, it was still huge. And I think you actually were probably one of the most talked about parts of the movie for a lot of fans because everyone knew the weight of your character and the weight of your presence in the movie, which was awesome. I think we, we definitely talked about it a lot, you know, Absolutely. And I think a lot of people were like, oh, thank God it's not Blake Lively. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but no, it's, I mean, <laughs> I think you do kind of fit it much better than, than, uh, than probably previous in- in incarnations of it. But so, all right. So you get the, you get the call, you tell your fiance, you tell your dad and like, what's, what happens then? Like, what's the process after that for you? Well, the funny thing was they didn't tape my role for months. So I had just gotten kind of the best news of my life and I couldn't tell anybody oh God. <laughs> and so and you know and like people are really condescending to young actresses and I couldn't even use it as a comeback so you know when people are 
pulling like, well, have I seen you in anything? Well, mm. are you really an actor? How do you make your money? Like people love to ask. You're yeah. about to smart yeah. ass. Superman yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> well, we'll see, you know, and, uh, and, and also just like, you, it's just so fun. Like I wanted to tell yeah. someone, but it was, it was kind of cool to have it be a secret too, because the movie didn't come out, you know, for a couple of years, these ones take a while to make. And, uh, and so by the time it was coming, I mean, the way that everyone else found out that I was in it was that that trailer was released where I say, I think he's kind of hot because I hadn't told anyone. So then I started getting comments on Facebook and I realized that something must've come out because mm -hmm. no one knew that I had that line. No one knew I was in it. So when I started seeing people quoting that on my Facebook page, I was like, Oh, I guess there's some sort of trailer or something yeah. out. Um, and that's, that's when everyone, you know, everyone else knew, but. So were you in New York at the time? I was, yeah, I was in New York. And so where, what, how did you have to, where were they filming and how did you, how'd that whole process go? Uh, I was filming mostly in Vancouver and then we filmed also at Edwards Air Force Base, which is just a couple hours outside of LA. Mm. And then, um, about an hour or so from the base in an area called Lone Pine, mm. um, and I was the last few weeks of filming, which was really kind of special because I think everyone, mm -hmm. cast and crew, were pretty relaxed at that point. Mm -hmm. um, some of the actors who were originally only in character, you know, were hanging out behind the scenes. And, um, and because we weren't just in Vancouver the whole time, it meant we were all traveling and staying in these tiny little hotels in smaller towns. And so we're all going out to eat afterwards. and. Mm -hmm. Hanging out it was a much more, I think, just kind of communal environment. And then to celebrate at the end, I mean, it was magical. We wrapped, and um, it was the last scene of the film was the last one we shot the with the big drone explosion and, you know, all of that. So they had uh, a champagne toast out in the desert. Like, they brought no. you know, <laughs> champagne out for everyone, and everyone's toasting and celebrating and wrapped the movie. And um, it was really, really sweet. It was a, a very special. What did that feel like? Like you're in the desert. Like, did you get champagne? I got champagne. I did. And like, you're standing there with, uh, your co-stars and it's, it's Henry Cavalier. Henry was there. Oh um, Zach was there. It was me. Yeah. Actors wise, it was just me, Harry Lennox and Henry. Um, you oh. know, the other actors were all wrapped by then so it was a small bunch of us and some you know stunt drivers basically yeah. um but the crew was all all there and and uh yeah it was it was really neat it was a, a cool way to go so you that's interesting that they actually filmed the last part of the film last because that doesn't usually happen that way uh because everything is filmed so out of order yeah, yeah. And I think it just happened that way. I think it just made sense because it was a different location and um, the way that scheduling worked out. But it was really pretty cool. It was it was kind of magical, honestly, that whole experience. It, yeah, it's it sounds like it just by the way you describe it. Champagne in the desert wrapping a huge studio production, which, like, you know, millions of people are going to end up seeing. Yeah, you know? yeah. So Andrew was saying that... Um, did you actually have like some more dialogue or, or like uh, at one point you had like a summary of the plot that you had in the film that they filmed with you? And then like they cut a lot. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and I think with these movies, you know, they're so much, they're so dense um, that just a lot does hit the cutting room floor for 
kind of for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that for sure happens. Um, and some stuff, you know, you go, Oh man, that, that was going to be such a great moment or that was, I thought that was important information or things like that. But then other stuff you're able to go, well, actually the way that this was kind of mysteriously revealed was pretty cool. Or I can see why it would have felt redundant once you see this in the action. And you know, you understand. Yeah. Why. yeah. You can't have four and a half hour movies. For yeah. I mean, we'd still watch it, but yeah, I know what you mean. Oh, yeah. Five, so that, that, that kind of raises one of the questions that I had written down. So as an actress or actor in the movie, do you get to see the movie before the premiere or is that actually the first time you see the finished product? For me, I get to see there's a casting crew screening, but that's just like a week before the premiere. Um, I think, you know, the larger actors get to see more in advance and, and have probably more input. But for someone like, you know, on a big, big project like this, like the rest of us just go to the casting crew screening and okay. um, see it from there. But it's still really fun. It's like on the Warner Brothers lot and it, it's sort of a reunion and um, – just really fun celebration of everyone's work after all those all those years. You know, there's so many, so many hundreds of people and and so many hours of you know sweat and labor and and passion that goes into it. So it's really pretty incredible to celebrate it all coming together. That is awesome. So for, for Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, did you go to? any of the uh the big premieres like in new york or london or anything like that or did you just watch it with your family no i went to the new york premiere both times which was really really exciting and and special the the batman v superman premiere was huge i didn't realize the man of steel premiere was amazing um and yeah, did the whole red carpet treatment and all that yeah did the red carpet well and the funny thing is i didn't know i was going to for man of steel (laughs) So I literally, I just like ordered a dress online. I was really busy. We were producing our um, our next feature, Demetrius and I, Moon and Sun, right before. And we were also doing this kid's show for PBS, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. So we were just straight in production the month leading up to it. And I like randomly, you know, I, I ordered this dress online. I think I ran to DSW and like grabbed a pair of shoes day of. It was raining and we couldn't catch a cab. No one would stop for us. So I'm like covered in rain. My hair's a mess, you know, this whatever. And I show up and they tell me that I don't have um, tickets. Oh, I RSVP'd, like, you know, I get through the line and stuff. And there's all this hubbub. And thankfully the um, post-production supervisor saw me and she's like, no, 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 she's supposed to be here. What's going on? What's going on? And they grabbed someone, and then they went, oh, no, you're supposed to be at Celebrity Will Call. So they usher me to the other side um, where there's Celebrity Will Call, which was the front of the red carpet. And they're like, okay, here you go. And um, <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> Looking like Elaine in the rain from Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really see raindrops on my dress. Like, if you look up close, I was so not prepared for it at all. I'm, like, pasty and a mess and – um. And I just was like, girl, you better fake it till you make it. And just sort of smiled and walked and, you know, and, and it was crazy because it was, um, because it was raining out, the red carpet was entirely in this enclosed tent. And it's a huge red carpet for these movies. So you've just got hundreds of people screaming at you and it's just echoing in that chamber. And, you know, it was so intense, but it was really, it was really pretty fun. That's as awesome. well. um, so I was way more prepared for Batman v Superman. 
that's for sure. That's got to be the awesomest feeling in the world. On a red carpet? On a red carpet because, you know, you spent so much time and so many years studying and working and going through the, the process and to have that payoff like that, that's just got to be an amazing feeling. Yeah, you know, it really is. It's, uh, it's I think I was definitely aware with a project like this too, just how much it means to fans, yeah. you know, yeah. especially because... For me, Superman was such an iconic, you know, character growing up, and and so just to get to you know be any any type of part in that world, and and um, kind of knowing, oh my gosh, this is going into the canon of who this character is, and and what this um, the history of this world now is, and it's just sort of culturally a bit significant, and and so it is really pretty exciting to see how excited people are about it leading then, up to it as well. And then you get free popcorn and Twizzlers and M&Ms and everything from the concession <laughs> They stand. still make you pay. Oh. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> what, um, at what point did you realize how, how big your character actually was? Like when was it that you, well, yeah. When was it that you learned like who you're playing and then did you like, did you like do a quick search? Did you already know exactly who it is? What kind of, how did that happen? We are like, holy shit, this person is actually like way bigger than, than just, just a, a military person. Yeah. So the character I auditioned for, um, had a different name, like I said. So I had no idea, you know, what it was at all at first. And then, um, the way, the way I, I found out I hadn't actually met anyone related to the production because I had auditioned via a tape. And so um, someone was supposed to just meet up with me and hand me a script that was just my sides, you know, just my scenes. And I would sign a, uh, you know, a release, I would, I, you know, an NDA and, and be able to go from there. So I show up where I'm supposed to meet this person to get my script. And it's on a rooftop um, of this, like, beautiful building in Manhattan. It's a sunny, gorgeous day. And I get up there, and I see this, you know, beautiful woman in a lovely dress sitting. And she looks at me, and she's like, oh, she's here. And she knows who I am. And there's a guy taking photos off the side of the building. And he turns around, and he kind of looks at me for a second. He's like, oh, hey. And I realize it's Zach and Debbie Snyder. Nice. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, wow, they're here. Okay, great. You know. Jesus. Uh, and they were so sweet and so warm and they had come to New York literally for just a couple hours and they had some meetings and stuff and handed me my script and I signed some stuff and um, and that's when I first found out more like this, what the character as far as size would be and that's when Zach said too, he's like, oh, we just wrote you this great line. It's hilarious. It's at the end of the movie. You're going to be great. It's going to be great. <laughs> it's like, okay, please, God, let me be funny. If I have like one funny line at the end of the movie. Um, and you're like, how much does that pay? Because that's a speaking part. <laughs> uh, I had a feeling it was a speaking part just because of the audition. So that part. But I didn't know, you know, really how much, like at all. And so I, uh, yeah, I was super, super pumped to get to see what it was. Um, but I think I've just... I, like, didn't think to read into it. Like, this is super naive, but it took, um, once that commercial, once that trailer came out where I was saying, you know, I think it's kind of hot, they put it up on IMDb, and it wasn't until then 
and I a friend of mine called being like, you're Carrie Ferris? And I, I then went like, oh shit, that's right. That is like a name of that character. But I, it's just not something you would really assume is like, I'm a little military officer mm-hmm. in the background. I never jumped to that conclusion uh, as much as I clearly should have. But uh, When did you like, so who was it or like how did you learn like, oh, by the way, you're the Green Lantern's love interest and you actually also become kind of like a, a superhero yourself. Yeah, I mean, it was when the um, when it started becoming publicly announced. So, like, once Man of Steel's trailers were coming out. Um, because, again, like, I had just been living in this secret world for almost two years, you know, not really talking about it and not really thinking much about it. And no one says my name in that film. It wasn't like, and if anyone was referring to me, they would just say, you know, where's Major Ferris? Um, And it was all, all the emphasis was like, I had a consultant from the Air Force and all of my prep and training was really about being a military officer. Um, And so that's where my head was at. was like, I'm representing the armed forces. I'm a woman in the Air Force. I want to do this right. I want to make sure I'm you know, up to regulation and I'm carrying myself in this type of way. Um, and I was just kind of all consumed with that part of it. And it didn't cross my mind, you know, that my character's name was a tease of, of this other larger thing. Mm. Um, yeah. That's, but that's once awesome. it was stated, I was like, Oh, don't like, I should have not. You know? <laughs> That's the beautiful thing about Snyder's films is that everything is done by design and has a meaning, whether you realize it or not. I mean, there's little parts and little Easter eggs in so much of his movies. that. uh, So when is it that you learned that, um, like, when did you get the call back that you're going to, hey, we want you back for the sequel? I got that call. It was probably October of like 2013, I guess. Wow, so yeah, that's... I'm trying to think, does that make sense? I think that's probably when it was. That's it was two, after... two months after they pretty much announced it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I got that call and was, you know, so excited. Harry and I had joked, because out of all the actors we worked with, we were like, well, they didn't kill us, so maybe we can <laughs> <find> <laughs> <it back." laughs> But, you know, you never know, so... Uh, so yeah, so that was really exciting news when I found that out. I was at a rest stop in the middle of Colorado because I was driving across the country and making a series of short films and, um, it's working again, working again, hustling, you know, and, uh, and <laughs> I, I was in a liquor store with my friend, actually with the same guy, Adam and his wife, Amber, two of our good friends from New York who got me the audition for the hummus commercial. So it's wow. like super full circle. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, got a call and ran outside and, you know, freaked the freak out and had to had to celebrate that night for sure. Because <laughs> uh, it had already been announced that they're going to bring Batman into it. It's like a bigger world. So you, I, when you got the call back, you kind of knew like it was going to be like even bigger than the first round. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I was super pumped like to be in a world with not, with Superman and Batman, you know, yeah. like, hello. Yeah. Um, so I was definitely, and honestly, they could have said, you're going to show up and mop the floor. And I would have been excited. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The but trunkler's was... still waiting for that call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, okay. So what is it, what was the production like on this second one? Like, cause, uh, now you're, 
you're you're a higher ranking character now. You're you know you've number one you survived like you said you didn't die in the first one so congrats on that. Um, and then you're in the second one now. Um, you actually phoned the president in, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what's like? Uh, how did it compare to the first time around? With this like now you're you know big set big production, and now like round two. What was it like? It was so great. I mean, one of the coolest things is it just was such a reunion. It was really fun. I think a lot of times, you know, in this industry, you you do your show and you get close to people for that period of time, but then everyone goes their separate ways and, you know, moves on. And so to get to come back with some, you know, of the same cast members and uh, crew, it really was special. I I just about melted. Harry and I walked on set um and they like stopped production. Someone announced, "Swan Wick and Ferris are back," and everyone cheered and like came to <laughs> give us hugs. And it was so sweet. That's awesome. Um, so you know, when you when you have that type of environment, it's just a lovely place to to be and to work. And then, as far as my character goes, I just felt like the stakes had really gotten a lot more serious in this one. Um, obviously, moved up in rank, like you said, she's in the White House. I, I wasn't saying like quippy, funny lines. I was definitely in a moment where like the world might end. Um, and again, I, I took very seriously the fact that this is a young, you know, high ranking female officer. She has to be incredibly, incredibly competent and incredibly experienced to be holding the rank she is in the position that she is. The other thing that is a pretty big deal is that Harry's character Swanwick is um, an army general and uh, and then you know secretary of defense and um, and my character's Air Force and Air Force is seen by the army as kind of sissy so mm. for him to go outside of his branch of the military and choose Ferris to be his aide means that she was spectacular you know that she really stood out enough for him to make that choice. Congratulations. Um, <clears throat> I worked hard on that, you know, like playing around last year. Yeah. yeah. But she kicks ass. She kicks ass, man. Yeah. So and I, I I did. I wanted people who, you know, especially women, but who would watch that to go, Yeah, I'm proud of that. That represents us well. That's totally awesome because actually kind of going back to what you said in one of your other interviews, you were saying how like growing up you loved the Superman movies, you loved superheroes, you loved you have, I think you have said you have older brothers, right? A younger brother. Younger yeah. brother. So you, you played with your brother, like you were you were kind of like a tomboy, and so you always yeah, so- you you always kind of looked to these male characters, and you wanted to be a superhero. You wanted, it, but there wasn't anyone at the time that you can like look up to, and so now mm-hmm. you're kind of in a position to where like very much now, like you know, there's Wonder Woman's in the movie. Um, you're a nod to a powerful female character in a different part of the universe. So you, it's what's it like knowing that you kind of carry the weight of um, you know, the representation of females in kind of a male dominated, you know, superhero kind of society right now. What's it like the fact that you have an opportunity to kind of be the female that's in charge, the female that can kind of, you know, have uh, implications in the plot line? It was huge. <laughs> it was so wonderful, so exciting and, uh, and empowering. And I, it's really, cool to be in a franchise and working with a group of artists um, really led by Zack Snyder who have placed women strategically throughout it. Strong, smart women. I mean, Holly Hunter's character, Tawakamoto's character, Amy Adams, obviously, um, and Gal Gadot. Like, 
there are women, intelligent, strong women throughout this universe, which I think is huge and really powerful because normally, you know, in films you might have uh, the Lois Lane who really needs to be saved, but this Lois Lane is a badass, you know, she's really brave. Um, You've also got Jenny at the Daily Planet, so you've got a, a lovely smattering of women who are in, you know, careers where they're in leadership roles, um, where they're articulate, where they're carrying themselves gracefully, and where they themselves are making brave, heroic choices. So that to me is just awesome. And when it, I melted just totally from the inside out because there was a girl on Instagram who had made herself a, a Captain Carrie Ferris costume for Halloween. Wow. And she was oh. like, I'm that girl. And oh, she, had put, she had done a screen grab of, you know, my character from Man of Steel. And she nailed it. Her costume was on point. And I <laughs> melted. I mean, to me, like, I never, you know, imagined anyone really noticing my character that much to... Um, to want to emulate it in that way, but to see, you know, a girl in high school knowing she could be that character who is, again, like a strong, empowered woman was really, really cool. And I got very excited about that. That's really awesome. Yeah, yeah. the fact that, you know, young girls now have, uh, you know, they, we, they can look up to Superman or they can look up to, you know, Wonder Woman, Carrie Ferris, just characters that... It's, they're not limited anymore. Like now, there's little girls out th- out there now that can actually look at these films and characters and have someone for them. You know, yeah, that they yeah. can relate to. That's super huge. So, seeing like obviously huge. I mean, God, you, like you basically your face is super recognizable now. Like being in these movies, but on top of that too, like you're getting an opportunity to kind of work on big, huge budget movies. Go, like being on the set. Was there anything that you learned? that you saw like, oh wow, like that you kind of bring maybe now to your own creative process, like things that, you know, you found helpful or that you found like eye-opening that you now use for yourself or learn? I'm positive, 100%. I think like a ton of things through osmosis, right? Like just being around artists of that caliber and getting to watch them work for weeks at a time is an incredible gift. I would have died just to be a fly on the wall, you know, and so to get to be working alongside of them was huge. I mean, honestly, one of the major things I took away from it was the kindness and the uh, joyfulness that the creative team has on that project. And I felt like if you're carrying you know, a world this large, a budget this big, this much pressure, but you're still being you know, gracious and loving and remembering that this is a joyful process where we're all getting to be storytellers together. And I mean, quite frankly, we're playing make-believe for a living. You know, it's it should be a, a joyful thing and it's a serious business, but at the same time, it's um, it should be a celebration as well. And, and I think that this group of artists really understands that. Um, and that I appreciated so much to see the community on set and you've got I mean Zach has a crew that many of whom he's worked with since he was in college and his early films and you sense that community and that camaraderie as they come back together time and time again to continue practicing their craft um you know obviously the resources are 
are just huge. So you've got, you know, every position filled with the top of the line artists and, and just getting to see how everyone works. And again, just how gracious everyone was to each other and, and, um, and to me and, and all of that was, uh, was lovely to see and to get to be a part of. That's awesome. Yeah. Just, I mean, you, you got an experience that I think a lot of people probably won't ever get is, you know, being, being number one, able to act in these huge, um, it's, they're not just big films, but they mean so much to so many people. And it's something that, you know, like you're going to, some kid is going to watch you a hundred times in a row because you're in a movie that they love, you know? And so they're going to know your face and your character, your acting is going to be like embedded into their, into their mind because they see you so much and they're going to have this connection to this film that you're a part of. But not only that, like, you know, just coming from the creative process, you have the ability now to kind of see how things work on a different level and kind of integrate that into your own work, which is, I mean, it's amazing. It's totally, totally cool. What, what was like, what was it like? I mean, you said that you went to the red carpet. Did you get any other chance to kind of promote the movie? Yeah. I mean, I, I had some different opportunities to talk with, um, you know, some different magazines and, online forums and podcasts and things like that. So, you know, it's a it's something that has such a broad audience of people who are really passionate about it. And yeah, it was really fun actually to get to share about the work and and about the project and the process and um and just just also for myself, I got to feel the buzz that everyone else was feeling, you know, in the lead up to it because I knew what was going to happen. So for me, I was still really excited to see the movie, but I didn't have the same like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? What's going to go here? What's going to, you know, but then getting to like get caught up in that frenzy and that excitement was really fun. Do you, uh, you're, you're, I mean, the first, the first time around in Man of Steel, you're in it, you're a part of it. But like, and like you said, in this part, like you're, you're, you have parts that are very integral to the to plot and more specifically, like things that you knew that were spoilers pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So what was, like, like how many different, like, NDAs did you have to sign for that? Oh, yeah, same. Like, you know, definitely sign your life away. They give you, you sign something when they hand you your pages. You never get emailed anything. Mm. And, and I was handed, like, only the pages at first at a costume fitting that I had lines in. But, again, it's it's all on red paper with my name printed all over it. So if it, you know leaked anywhere it would obviously be me mm. and you can't copy it because it's on red paper so um there's that mm. which i would like like i was afraid to even leave it in my hotel room or my apartment or you know like i would hide it in my purse or my backpack wherever i was i'm just like it's gonna get stolen and then i'm gonna get blacklisted <laughs> <laughs> um, and then i would get to set and i would get more pages and things like that so they're very very protective um and if you get the whole script you get it for like two hours and then that's it you know did you hear any of the rumors of going around of like leaked scripts and people that knew like plot plot as as like development was still happening did you hear any of that stuff uh yeah i mean i see all the announcements and stuff i'm trying to remember if like after i read the script i feel like most of what i saw Sometimes you would see things where you're like, oh, they're pretty close. But for the most part, it, it's kind of cute because you're like, oh, that's funny that you think that. You know, like, <laughs> it's fun to see what people are yeah. guessing is going to happen or, you know. Yeah, there's a rumor that, that Zach's uh, son was playing, was going to be in it and he was going to be Robin. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. 
uh-huh. silly things like that, like crazy things that like uh, the entire Justice League shows up at the very end of the movie. That the part that you're in, right? Which right. you obviously knew if you had seen that, you would have known that that wasn't the case. Uh huh. And, uh-huh. and but but, it's fun. Like that's also part of the, what makes these movies so fun yeah. is that buzz of like, what's the, maybe this is gonna happen? Oh, so and so said that. Like it's the it is part of that frenzied like, oh my god, oh my god, what's gonna happen? So were you hit up a lot for like information from people that knew that you were a part of it? I mean, everybody asks, you know, and everyone tries to trick me a little <laughs> bit where they're like asking me other questions. I know you can't talk about it, but whatever. And then like randomly throw in these questions that they think like I'll accidentally answer or something. <laughs> like, like you'll I'm, say, I'm actually Wonder Woman. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, I will say it was kind of a relief when um, the previews with Doomsday came out because that was one that I was like, so excited about but you know definitely didn't tell a soul um but so then it was like something that could be talked about a little bit more not like i didn't say anything that was in the movie besides just like isn't that cool but it was just mm. fun that everyone knew it alleviated some of the pressure a little bit yeah yeah it's like if someone finds out then you know the world's not gonna end uh wor- working with uh with zach uh he seems really energetic and enthusiastic and could use hand talking and very animated on set uh does that result in him being a fun guy to work with 100 because he's so into what you're doing yeah absolutely like a thousand percent yes he's so full of life and energy and passion and excitement for what he's doing he's incredibly intelligent i think some of that energy is just like his mind can move a mile a minute and um and can reference just about anything. He seems to probably retain every fact he's ever read. And he's also simultaneously like doing push-ups in between takes. And he's just a, an impressive walking ball of energy and brains and passion. And, you know, um, and so it is, it's really fun to work with him. And, and he was so great with me. Like he just super welcomed me onto that set. And, um, and it was, it's kind of a fun thing because he really discovered me, you know, it's not, I didn't go through the traditional casting process and he's the first person I met from the set. So even I had, I had to go to the rap party of Man of Steel before I actually filmed. So he was the only person I knew. Oh my God. (laughs) So, like, going around introducing myself to, you know, animators' wives and, like, trying to make <laughs> friends. And um, and thankfully, eventually, the woman who was my consultant from the Air Force, she had been at my fitting. She showed up, and she introduced me to other people. But um, he was just super friendly with me, you know, I think because we had some context before set. That's so awesome of him. He could have, I mean, you know, the caliber that he's at, the the name that he is, he could have totally just been like, all right, you're just somebody that it's going to, you know, whatever, just stand yeah, over here. 100%, you know, and, and he was fun too. Like he would give me fun stuff to play with. Um, you know, we'd kind of get a take in and be like, okay, great, we got it. And then he'd just come up and, and like, it was like old school acting class. We just whisper things in my ear, like, try to make this guy feel whatever, try that. What do you know? We just play. And it <laughs> was really, awesome. yeah. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, um there's a we put up a post on uh, our instagram and uh, it got a lot of light it got a lot of buzz a lot of people are are excited about having you on the on the show um so some of the questions that uh, were put on there it's some damn good questions what do you do you know anything as far as if you'll have a cameo or a part in the the justice league part one i don't know so you've heard nothing yet 
No, huh? It'd be exciting, but I don't know. And you're you're not saying that because it's part of the NDA that you signed? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but you couldn't tell us if that was the reason. Yeah. Yeah. Blink twice if you are. Okay. Okay, got it. I, I heard those blinks. <laughs> um who okay, so, so there's some really cool questions on here. Uh Jake Huff wants to know who would you cast as a Green Lantern? You know, I've been asked this, and the person who comes to mind for me, and I don't know if uh, if uh, if people would agree, but I think Aaron Paul would be really cool. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I just feel like he's got a kind of feistiness to him. Think, Lanterns, bitch! Wrong! Like, <laughs> yeah. For some reason, I just keep picturing him. and Maybe I'm just too obsessed with Breaking Bad, but I... Uh, I feel like I kind of like the little bit of street that he has for Greenland because Greenland is a little bit cocky, you know, but also has a heart of gold. And I think those are characters that are, are characteristics that are sometimes hard to find in the same person. But I think you can, with Aaron Paul, believe that he's like, you know, got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. I can see him as a fighter pilot, but at the same time, I can see him like having compassion and and a uh, conscience and falling in love and you know all of those things that's that's a totally awesome uh that, yeah that's that's a really really send this to zach we'll we'll, we'll make the buzz <laughs> <laughs> okay. um a, a really good question too uh beware the bat dan wants to know did you take any souvenirs from the sets either one <laughs> okay one but i was given permission i'm not a thief um <laughs> <laughs> like ben but I, uh, I asked the costumer from Man of Steel if I could have my little um, hat my with the captain's bars. That's so awesome. I have my hat on my desk. That was my uh, the not the blue the like um, fatigues fatigues. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. What happens to the vest that or the, your um, what happens to like uh, so I mean if you you were you as bold to ask if you can keep like the whole uniform? I wasn't. I mean, I'm pretty sure the answer would have been no. <laughs> But, but I don't know. I mean, they have to resize it like twelve times for me, so I don't know what they could do with it outside of my presence. But um, but yeah, I I think they keep all that stuff for sure. Yeah, they and you know, like some of the other stuff they at the Warner Brothers lot. Oh my God! Like you should see. Have you ever been to the Warner's lot? The um the de- the prop department. You know, I haven't. Oh huh? my, it's it's two giant warehouses. Oh my gosh, that's like, so cool. They have all this, like, the prop. they don't get rid of anything. Um, and so they have all these old props. Like, they have all the Batman Returns stuff. They have stuff from, like, all the the, fr- the the Friends TV show. They have a bunch of stuff from that. So I'm sure, like, your your stuff is probably hanging somewhere in the prop department. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. That's fun to think yeah. about. Well, There's going to be an episode of Hoarders at the, uh, at the WB lot. <laughs> This... You could probably sell it all for a significant amount of money, so maybe it's... Uh... Yeah, probably. I'd buy it. Yeah, I'd buy it. Um, this one is awesome. Mick, Mick last name uh, put, I think it'd be kind of interesting if they threw us all for a loop and made you the Green Lantern in the DC Universe. Ooh, they haven't. I... Yeah, they haven't casted Hal yet. You're prominently featured in both films. All I'm saying is what the person said. Which okay, is tell them to write to Warner Brothers right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's actually interesting because right now in the comics, there's actually a female lantern. She's she's um in one of the alternate Earths, um in uh the different the the different entities that create the, the Green Lantern power uh kind of possesses her. 
Uh-huh. And so she's actually a lantern now. So it's a female lantern. And it's actually a really cool character. And that this now this guy mentions that. To be honest, that'd be totally awesome. Like, She's in Dark Side War too, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Powering. Yeah. I mean, I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's um so okay, like that's another thing too, is Jeff Johns, he's one of the guys that's um in charge of the a lot of the Warner Brothers stuff. Well not the Warner Brothers, he's he's in charge of the DC Comics side, but he does work a lot with Warner Brother pictures. And I think he was maybe like a consultant in the movie. Did you did you get like any did you know if he was on set? Did you see him on set? Do you know who that is? I do I should know more. I feel like yes, he, but I'm probably shaming myself. No, I mean, he would have been a guy that would have been probably talking to Zach. I don't know if maybe on the set or definitely on the phone because he's the guy that right now like bridges the gap between the comics and the movies and, and also the television shows too. Like, he's he's <coughs> big on those. He wrote a lot of Smallville episodes. Um, he wrote a Flash. lot. He wrote some. He wrote some of the newer Flash episodes. Errol. But if you if you have any way of contacting or getting in touch with that guy, that guy is one of the guys who wrote the female Green Lantern in to the current continuity, and he has a lot of weight with the movies. Okay. So if someone put this bug in his ear, <laughs> if someone put this bug in his ear, I'm sure he would like go to Zach and be like, "Dude, I got this great idea." Tom's giving you a plan. Yeah, no, you got it. <laughs> and the thing is, too, is because he's the he, he can't... right now, y'all. I'm staring at him. He does look very familiar to me. Yeah, so, that's that's the guy. Know. If you tell anybody about it, he's gonna go for it because he wrote it in the comics. Okay, so I'll be like, "Here's my photo. Make sure she looks like me." Yeah, I mean, she kind of does look like you. She's got dark hair. Yeah. She's, oh, yeah, um, I mean. It, oh my gosh, he's half Lebanese. So there, like, there's your in. There's my in. <laughs> We're of the tribe. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if you see him anywhere at any time or you get any contact with him, let him know. It's like, hey, Carrie Ferris, you know, the upcoming Green Lantern, right? Right. You can get in that yeah. way. But that, that would <laughs> and be, if you do get the role, then you can say it all came back from us. Yeah. I will, guys. Yeah, like that one night on Skype. Where yeah. it all <laughs> That's where um, all stranger strange. things have happened. So, <laughs> it's true, and um, we are strange. <laughs> yeah. So the, there's, uh, I think those are some of the best ones. Those are some really, really cool ones. That uh, some of the questions you got. Someone else said that DC Comics 1938 said that Christina uh, Wren is my woman crush every day. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty awesome. So you, you have, you definitely have a fan base um, on social media. You're, you're always working. You're never not working, it sounds like. So what is what are some of the things that you have coming up right now? Like things either that you're producing yourself, like uh, your own projects or things that you might be in that you want people to kind of check you out in. Yeah, for sure. I mean, some of my own projects that I'm pretty excited about, I just wrapped making trailers for three new shows. Um, one is called Specimen, where I play a, you know, like a, an action hero, which I'm very excited about. Um, it's set just enough in the future, um, kind of dystopian society, and humans are being genetically engineered to be walking weapons. And, um, awesome. and awesome. I am cool. one uh. of those creatures. Yeah. You're so a walking weapon? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, Go on. Material inside <laughs> their, you know, physical form. And, um, so yeah, so and it's it's uh, both just really exciting and you know full of adventure and all of that, but it's also it asks the question you know if these people are a risk 
you know, are, are they really people? Are they one of us or are they dangerous? If one of them is dangerous, can we coexist with any of them? You know, those types of questions as well. That's just an awesome concept. Thanks. Thanks. I'm really excited about it. I'm, um, yeah. So kind of doing some groundwork to get that one on its feet. Um, another one, totally different genre, but I am equally as excited about is called Hicksters, which is about, it's kind of a modern day Green Acres where this couple from New York, uh, buys a foreclosing cattle farm in Alabama and uh, relocates. But the couple is an African American man and a Muslim woman, but they're just like cute, quirky Brooklyn people now trying to make it in the deep South. I think I saw like a trailer or a clip of this where like yeah, you're, teaser out uh-huh you're petting like a goat what are you petting it's a cow yeah uh-huh. and then you're like oh my god the line you say is hilarious you're like i'm not a vegetarian but i think about being one every once in a while uh-huh. yeah yeah that's, that's hysterical <laughs> yeah I was, I was trying to actually I, I thought that maybe there was like a full episode or something out i kept trying to look for something because i was like i gotta watch this this sounds oh, hilarious I feel that way yay so we're gonna have a full trailer out soon we just shot trailers for these so now we're trying to go shop them around and find you know an audience and a home and all of that so um but those two are the ones that i've written and that i'm you know pushing and then my husband wrote one called business which is like a dark comedy kind of like snatch but it's about this um duo from an urban neighborhood who ends up getting into illegal art trading <laughs> and uh yeah it's pretty fantastic so they've got this hustle and it looks like it's you know a gangster movie but they're like making fake art that's hilarious and selling it on the <laughs> yeah. who, um, uh, who wrote noosa was that co- you or you? i love that oh, i just watched you. it today that's awesome Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, we actually wrote that on a road trip together. I had my laptop in my lap in the passenger seat, and we just went back and forth and uh, wrote that that way, which was pretty pretty fun. That's the only thing we've ever officially co-written like that before. But. Are you literally going to do more to that, or it just ends like that? You know, we've talked about it, and I think we couldn't tell for a minute if people were really excited about it or not. And um, because Well, you of- could just make it for me. absolutely why not and and now that i know i mean for real but there have been a few people recently who have commented on it which has made me go oh okay maybe people are you know into it and um it requires so much labor from demetrius to do all the animation i think for a season two we might try to trim down the like spaceships and alien creatures and things like that um but it was a really fun one to make and and we it obviously is a a cliffhanger kind of a prequel there is a world that we would like to go further with um so yeah that's one that i'm definitely open to doing more of as well and half sisters too was you know kind of left open-ended but then um the girl who plays uh lola is australian and she moved back to australia so we're we're now just two half sisters in los angeles (laughs) yeah that's awesome this is stuff that you're currently working on that you're going to shop around to different like uh, studios. Yeah, yeah, we're going. We have a couple of different ideas. I mean, we either um, would want to do it in house, but with a, a a little bit of just a larger audience base. Whether that's something that we generated on our own first, um, or did some sort of branded content, which we've done with some of our clients. I think like Hicksters would be perfect for an ice cream company, you know, because they end up making this a dairy farm for you know an ice cream company and so it would be really cute for like ben and jerry's to get involved and um so that's one way to go or it might be 
you know, an ABC or a Netflix or something like that would get really excited about it. So I I just kind of want to explore those things. I feel like, um, we always know we can put it on YouTube and, and share it that way. But I feel like we've gotten to a point where we've, um, we've practiced our craft. We've tested some stuff out. We've figured out our voices a little bit. And now I want to think a little bit bigger. Sure. Mm-hmm. Some of the, like the, the trailers that I'm seeing, like they're so well done that I didn't realize that it's like, uh, I mean, it's, it's all your stuff that you haven't, um, you worked with like outside studios or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. One of your, I think you said like one of your first things that you worked on was filmed like on a Canon uh-huh. camera uh-huh. and it's, yeah. you, you were kind of like downplaying it even saying like, Oh, it was terrible. But actually it looks really, really nice. Oh, that's crazy. I'll tell Demetrius he filmed it. Yeah. So, so that's, so, yeah. so you guys work together. So you write a lot of the stuff you, um, who's like, who's doing the camera work, who's doing everything else. He pretty much does everything else. Wow. Um, He's amazing. Uh, we are starting to. We've used different kinds of teams for different projects. Um, he's just an incredible artist all around. And to be honest, it's hard to find people unless we had a much much larger budget who can do what he does. So um, it's yeah. a lot of pressure on him. <laughs> yeah, it definitely. To be, honestly, it, the stuff you have looks quality. I mean, you wouldn't tell that it's like indie or low budget or anything like that it looks like really really nice it's clear crisp sounds great looks great thank you the content yeah. is great i appreciate that a lot i really do it's uh yeah it's it's all kind of internal right now and and it's it's such a gift to you know have a partner who's so capable because we we wouldn't be able to pull off all of these things if we had to you know hire 12 people to make even a trailer happen or you know mm. um for the trailers we had a a location scout. She was amazing. Um, who also worked with us as a PA on set and we had, um, a casting director, um, and then us and, you know, pretty much everything else was in house. So, uh, Demetrius writes music. Sometimes we'll just get music on like premium beats or, you know, something like that. But a lot of it he writes, um, we both write as far as scripts go. And then we both edit. I'll usually, jump on as an assistant editor and do kind of a first cut and then he jumps in and polishes everything he does all the special effects he does graphics and like in hicksters he's making um you know an apartment look like it's flooding like he's just he's a magician so um i'm very thankful for him (laughs) yeah yeah i mean you guys are like your partners but you literally are like your your partners with your work and uh, it's really cool that you guys bounce ideas off each other, and it's I'm sure it like helps you keep the helps you keep the feel of the integrity of your work when it's just kind of done in house, like you guys are doing it. You don't have to answer to anybody. Yeah, you know? it's really empowering. You know, I mean, it, it's it is a very real thing that we can just say, "Do you want to make this? Okay, let's go." You know, if we have the time and we can rally ourselves around something, there's nothing keeping us from making it, which is a really powerful thing because I think that you can't guarantee you know, popularity, fame, success in certain ways. And as an artist, you you at least want to just be able to practice your craft. And I think sometimes artists are heartbroken because if no one casts them or no one chooses them or no one funds them, they can't practice their craft. And for us, it's like, well, I can't guarantee I'll get a certain kind of job, but I can always guarantee I get to practice my craft and do what I love, which is really amazing. Yeah. 
It's, I mean, you're, you're constantly work. You're, you're never, like you said, you're on a road trip uh, through a state and you have your laptop on your lap and you're just like, <laughs> it's like Jesus Christ, you should probably sleep at some point. And wrote a sci fi. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I wrote a sci fi. What state were you driving through? Uh, Arizona. <laughs> wow. Yeah, like inspiration from Arizona and a sci fi yeah. about that. It's crazy. Um, so if people want to check out your stuff, if they want to like look you up, what's the, what's the easiest way of doing that? So my website is christinaren.com. Uh, I'm on Instagram as Christina Wren. I'm on Twitter, Christina S. Wren. I have a Facebook page. And then my um, first company with Demetrius is Two Kids with a Camera. So you can check that out. You can find him and a lot of his work at demetriuswren.com. And he spells it D-E-M-E-T-R-I-U-S. And then we have our newest endeavor, which is housing these trailers called Studio Two Pictures. So we have a little website and a YouTube page for that. And right now there's just teasers out, but we have full trailers coming with more information fairly soon. And the trailers are going to be for some of the upcoming projects that you're working on. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And it's all your stuff or do you kind of house stuff for other people too? Right now it's all our stuff. We have had um, some conversations with friends who, you know, may be interested in housing some of their stuff with us. And that's something that we're certainly open to. And we want to talk about ways to more consciously do that and maybe have some sort of, you know, contests <laughs> or things like that. Um, we just have to figure out what the framework for it would be. But, you know, we're always open for a good collaboration. That's awesome. Um what is the medium that you probably are easiest to get a hold on? Is it probably maybe like Twitter? Like if, yeah. if, if someone wants to like get a hold of you, maybe ask you questions about either some of your work or, you know, how you got to where you are. Probably Twitter or Facebook, cool. either way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because I think, um, you, you know, you, I'm sure you've noticed, like, we're living in an age now where you're a perfect example of someone that you're not waiting for the opportunity to come to you. You're kind of making them yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people maybe don't know that that's a possibility. Like trying to make it into acting, trying to make it into whatever they might trying to get into. Like you're you're basically the example of someone that you don't sit idly by and let things come to you. You like you make you make your own opportunity. And I think it might be really cool, like um, for people to kind of see your you know, listen to your story and kind of see where you come from and and so and kind of see that it's actually possible. What they their goal that they're kind of trying to attain is actually possible. And you're a good example of that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm always down to engage, you know, so definitely shoot me a line and we'll we'll chat. That's very awesome. Before we do the lightning round, can I ask one character question? Uh, Now, you've spent two films now in the skin of Carrie Ferris. So you've probably created, you know, imagined your own personality for her. You know, you, you have some background of who she is as a person. So for a very serious question <laughs> we know of her attraction to superman uh-huh. <laughs> does her alien affinity begin and end with him or would does she think alf is hot and maybe et is sexy because he's is, an alien, is she into right? other aliens oh like she's just into <laughs> aliens she's got like an alien fetish <laughs> is, is she like that is it Roger from American Dad? Because I think he's kind of hot. Oh, you know, I I hadn't um, developed an alien fetish in my in my research in my in my work my development of Miss Ferris, um, <laughs> but, but you know, I think um, it might be cool if you know, I mean, if she's seeing a smidge of a reflection of herself in that, she may. Have- <laughs> 
alien beings. I mean, I think she'd get into Aquaman for shiz. I think. Uh, <laughs> Damn. She's, you know, minded in that department. That that right there could be a whole new uh, story that you and your husband could write. Be like this girl that finds out. Oh, she has a crush on the alien. Let's go uh-huh. find another alien. Oh, he's kind of cute too. <laughs> no, just thing for aliens. Yeah. 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 I, there would definitely yeah. be an interesting take on the Carrie Ferris character where she finds herself like in therapy trying to work out her like <laughs> alien fetish. <laughs> and, but then she meets but then she meets Sinestro and oh, uh, it all goes out the window. <laughs> yeah. She's just a sad lonely woman. <laughs> yeah. Maybe leave this part out when you talk to Jeff Johns. <laughs> leave it out, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll maybe... let him figure that part yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Gramps, you, uh, you want to roll through, uh, with some, uh, lightning, lightning round? round? Yeah, so, so, this is something we have gone through, and it's been a lot of fun with other people we've interviewed, and it, we call it the lightning round, and just like it sounds, it's like, we're going to ask a series of questions, and we just want the first answer off the top of your head, um, just to kind of get to know you a little bit more, um, after two hours, after two hours, <laughs> yeah, all uh, the we're ready to just let them go. Just let them go. Okay. Number one, we always pretty much start with this one because we, besides comics, we also like to eat. But um, what's your favorite food? Ethiopian food. Ethiopian food. Okay. Mm-hmm. Any Not hummus. Yeah. I love hummus. Let's be real. I eat hummus like every day. What's your favorite <laughs> brand of hummus? Sabra. <laughs> that is not the commercial that you are in. Fire. <laughs> Bad hummus spokesperson. Bad. She looks on her website. And, which one is it? <laughs> that is actually delicious hummus. That's the one I always get. Right. Yeah. It's the real deal. All my Lebanese family eats that one too. I'm not alone. It's legit. It's the best one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. What was your favorite food in the catering on the scene or you know, on set. Craft services. Let me think back to craft services. Um, you know, it was really sweet. When I was doing Man of Steel, there was, on the first day, someone, a PA came and asked me what I wanted for breakfast, and I ordered a certain kind of breakfast sandwich. And then every single day after that, when I showed up in my trailer, that sandwich was there waiting for me ready, wow. which I thought was so sweet. Yeah. Nice. So, um, you know, you play, you play a, a character that's in the military. You appear to be very fit and work out. So how much do you deadlift? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, I wish I knew. I, like, I don't lift a whole lot like that. Like, I do a lot of um, But I will say when I did weight room in gym class in high school my teacher thought I was a beast because I was doing like almost my body weight but it's not very impressive because I weigh like 100 pounds but I, I can lift like close to my body weight okay 100 plus there it is yeah. <laughs> alright 700 pounds 700 pounds okay. <laughs> each All hand right. so scene in Batman v Superman where Batman's just like hardcore working out and dropping weight that's actually me I was Ben's body <laughs> you got some pecs nailed it nailed it yeah huh I actually did you get paid scene. for that too yeah I got bonus on the side extra <laughs> thought so your All right. so, so you, you've heard about um, our our friend the trunkler that has a unique set of skills of you know 
kind of sliding in his collectibles or whatever from his spouse. Have you ever hidden clothing, shoes, any type of item in the trunk of your car to keep your spouse from finding out what you splurged on? I don't think so. Um, Okay. We can cut this part out if you want him to hear it. <laughs> You're not a trunkler? Okay. No, but my I have the opposite problem where like I'll be the I'll be like trying to save money and be more thoughtful about how I'm spending and my husband's like, You should go buy this, you should go shopping, you should go because he's he's just really, really sweet. So I more have to like curb him in the opposite direction and be like, Stop, we can't just buy things for fun for me or you or you know. Um <laughs> So I have the opposite where my husband's just like super generous. We'd probably be on the street, but with like cute outfits. You're the maybe, you should check, maybe you should check the trunk of your husband's car. I yeah, should. There you- I should. <laughs> He's just got like gifts. And she's just- a huge misdirect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Are you a sports fan? Do you like any sports? Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh. Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. Big bang. Uh, sh- should have expected that one. Right. Um, what's the best pizzeria in Pittsburgh? Okay, it, um, I want to say, what's the name of it? It's something, I think it's pie. I think it's called pie or like something, but like the, the math sign. Is that like a deep dish or thin crust? It's more thin crust. Thin crust? You prefer the thin crust then? I do, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, my I really, I left Pittsburgh and, and kind of came of age in New York. So for me, I'm a New York pizza girl. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Batcraft's gonna like that. We got a guy from New York. He's always talking about how much the pizza's better than the deep dish. It yeah. is. It really is. Like when I go back to New York, and I'm lactose intolerant, so I gotta like take oh, gotta some pizza and not have too much pizza. But I will like have pizza every day just because I miss it so much when I'm not in New York. Yeah. What if you, if you ever come to Chicago? I'd be more than happy to take you to a very fine deep dish. Deep dish. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. Be careful when you get propositioned by the trunkler, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I end up just turning into, like, someone who keeps figurines in my trunk. and. (laughs) (laughs) I really didn't buy anything, I swear. Here's here's how he'll probably lure you into the trunk. He'll say, look, I've got this major Ferris action figure. Come check it out. And then you'll go over there. You're... You're the size that would fit in his trunk, so you know. I can't wait. But at least I'd have pizza. It's yeah. the best way to kidnap the child, right? Pizza and toys. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I wouldn't know, Christina. Going now, right? oh, we're gonna go there, huh? <laughs> you just you just leave a trail of pizza yeah. to a trunk. <laughs> and major Ferris dolls. Yeah, yeah, that might work for me actually. You'd be very intrigued. What? What, what what is your uh do you have a favorite type of music or band? Oh, I like so many different kinds of music. I mean, I grew up in the city, so I definitely listen to a lot of hip hop. Um I like Hiatus Coyote a lot right now. I like um Who else have I been listening to? When um, you're getting ready to deadlift. What are you listening to? Oh, if I'm going to be working out, probably more like Ludacris and um, like Timbaland, like more early 2000s hip hop. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, since you were just in Batman versus Superman and, you know, they they went to uh, fisticuffs with each other, I, I kind of ha- also wanted to know some other 
the results of what else would happen if they went to fisticuffs and like if they had a dance off, who would win? Batman versus Superman. A dance off. Oh, that's a great one. I kind of feel like Batman would win a dance off. <laughs> I mean, Superman would win like any other kind of fight, but I feel like Batman gets the dance off. He's got the he's got the moves. He took a tilly. Yeah. I mean, cuz Superman's kind of like the nerdy guy who's been a loner for a little while, but Batman's like a player. You know what I yeah. mean? He's been out with the ladies. Yeah, so especially this one now. <laughs> right? I mean, you got you got a sense of that. I mean, from the scene where he's at Lex Luthor's house and, you know, he and uh, Diana Prince share looks across the room. He didn't have to say anything. He just looks at her and is like, okay, this is yeah. going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, I'm going to be having that. Right. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what he said. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, do you have any pets? I don't. No. I wanted to growing up hardcore. I in first grade wanted to be a farmer and a veterinarian because I loved animals. Um, but my dad is from Lebanon and they didn't have like animals in the house growing up. That was not a thing. So, mm. I had uh, bunnies outside. And I had a hamster, and my brother had a lizard. But we weren't allowed to have, like, animals that were not in a cage in the house, you know. Um, so I just sort of didn't grow up with pets that way. Gotcha. Okay. And um, I know you work a lot. You're extremely busy. But do you have any hobbies outside of, you know, writing and filmmaking? Yeah, I make jewelry, actually. That's a pretty big one for me. Um I make jewelry, and I uh, I really love exploring. So any chance I get, I'm just out wandering around my neighborhood or around different parts of town. Um, I love going to coffee shops and just reading. I love riding my bike around the neighborhood and stuff like that. All right. That's everything I had on the lightning round. All right. Thank you, well, Christina. Uh, yeah, I hope you didn't have any plans tonight. Holy shit. <laughs> No, I'm chilling. I'm actually. You're gonna laugh at me. I'm rewriting Hicksters tonight. Oh my god! Oh, take I a know break. Why, I, I know exactly why. She's writing it right now. So yeah, I've already got this figured out. I know exactly why this interview was so late. She had to make sure that Dancing with the Stars was over before she came on. Oh, that's right. Because I think Superman and Batman were having a dance off tonight, right? Oh, were they? Oh. What would be what would be their go to dance moves? Okay, I think Batman would like whip in Nene. <laughs> that would be right. hilarious. Amazing. Ben, if you're listening, please make a video for YouTube. Um, and I, I, Superman would be like your uncle at the party. He's like still like doing the lawnmower dance and the like sprinkler arm business. Like, I feel like. Yeah, he's a fucking nerd. Yeah, he really, you really right. he does, he does make you break the art. Like, <laughs> you really see him as a nerd. But I, I mean, I think that's really charming and adorable. Yeah. It's... Like my favorite, like my movie crush, this is so nerdy to admit, but it's like Albert Brenneman from Hitch. I just thought he was the cute. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. So all the Albert Brenneman moves, we could give those to Superman and I would melt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Totally awesome. Uh, M and M's, M and M's, plain or peanut? Oh yeah, yeah. Peanut. Nice. Yeah. Oh, I told you guys. You no yeah, one you wants did. to yep. listen. You did. <laughs> oh no, yeah, I, I agree with you. You agree? Okay, good. Did you? We're, uh, we're all in the same boat. 
Christina, did you hear about the 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 chopping room uh, floor footage, the like extended cut of Batman vs Superman that apparently is supposed to be out at some point? Yeah, yeah, for sure. We've actually heard a lot about some of the stuff that got cut out. Uh, and then uh, you're actually part of it. When I can't come to life. Well, you're actually yeah. <laughs> you're actually in the back of the you know the 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 war room that you're in, kind of like with the gen with the, the secretary at the end. Yeah. They yep. actually had to cut a lot out because you were in the back writing part of your scripts. <laughs> it's true. Because <laughs> you never yeah. stop working. I just, I just never socialize. I, yeah. 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 You know, Zach, can we not right now? <laughs> I'm in the middle of a really important scene here for my next YouTube show. Could you just pause? Yeah. Can you imagine? I'm coming to you when you're making your movies. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and well, their like whole million dollar budget for the day is wasted on me. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, this has been awesome to say the least. Um, yeah, you guys are great. Thanks for having me. Oh on. no, thank you for thank you for coming. Thank on. you. And uh, again, so, you know, you spent a lot of time with us. We really really appreciate it. You didn't have to do that, but uh, there's a lot of people that were looking forward to you coming on and hearing your story. So we really appreciate you coming on. I- anytime you want to come back on, we're more than happy to have you if you want. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Yeah, anytime. Let me know. All right. So thanks so much. It's going to do it for us here at Bat Force Radio. We want to thank you for listening in. Uh, Check us out on our other episodes. Check us out on Instagram at the Bat Force, on Twitter at the underscore Bat Force. And we'll see you guys out there. All right. Take care. Oh, you better keep him quiet over there or I'm going to come over here and I'm going to give you a beating of my own son. (laughs) Anyway, tune in again to Pat Force Radio. And you will have the wackiness experience here at the Iceberg Lounge. This is me, the Penguin, signing off, you little wackers. Scott, you got to uh, get the word out uh, in your hometown a little bit more. Yeah, I've seen so that. This girl from Chicago uh, had no idea who the trunkler was. I had to, uh, <laughs> yeah. I had to tell her. That's just hard. Either that's for her own safety. On my end, and, or... and then, and then the next time it came up, she she made reference later to the tinkler. <laughs> the tinkler. <laughs> that's what she she, so that's, that's 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 another name for the list. <laughs> and then you should, you know, you should trunkler, tell... trunkster, tinkler, gimp. Trunkler, you should tr- you should tell her like you should capture her, and then like right before you throw her in the trunk, you'd be like. I will show you the dark side. I will show you the trunk.